Good morning, Crosspoint. Good morning, Crosspoint Ventura. So excited to uh, be speaking to our Ventura campus today as well. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in Ventura. Uh, man, you guys recently had seven people get baptized at the beach. Lives are being transformed and we're getting ready to go into the fall season. And I'm expecting, uh, man, a great season of growth uh, for both of our campuses uh, here at Crosspoint. Uh, man, I heard this story, it just made me laugh. Uh, a few years ago, there was a guy here in Southern California. His name was Larry Walters. He was 33 years old, and he decided he wasn't content with his life. He wanted to see his neighborhood from a brand new perspective. So he visited a secondhand store one morning. He bought 45 weather balloons. Returning home, he took the balloons and he attached them to his lawn chair where he planned to sit and then float over LA. So he packed some food, packed the wa water, and a pellet gun, so that whenever he decided to come down, he was just gonna shoot the balloons and return safely to Earth. So here he is just relaxing in his chair, and he soon took off on his adventure. Now what Larry didn't realize is instead of flying a few hundred feet above the air, Larry's balloons lifted him nearly 11,000 feet in the sky. Now, unable to control his path, he soon was floating over the Los Angeles International Airport into some dangerous airspace. So scared of falling to his death, he refused to shoot the balloons with his pellet gun. He remained in the air for over two hours, causing some massive delays and the cancellation of many flights. So after being rescued, he returned safely to the ground. He got a ticket and he got reprimanded by the police, but he had managed to be able to get all of the attention of the news media. So these reporters were lining up and here's the questions they asked him. They said, were you scared? Larry's response, yes. Second question, would you do it again? Larry's response, no. Third question, why did you do it? And he said, I quote, because you can't just sit there. See, I find that hilarious because he wasn't content with his life. He said, I've got to do something about it. Maybe life for you is not what you want it today. You know, I think that every single one of us are living a, one of three lives. You're living a bad life, you're living a good life, but I believe that there's a third opportunity, which is the better life. Some of you are living a bad life. Life is not the way that you thought it was going to be. Maybe you're living a distracted life right now. Maybe you need a fresh start. Maybe your life is killing you and it's killing those around you. Maybe you're living a bad life and you just need a new perspective. You need a fresh start. You need a reboot. Now, some of you, you're living a good life. You have filled in all of the blanks. You've connected the dots and everything is the way that it's supposed to be at this time of your life. You have a home, you have a car. Maybe you have a wife or a husband. Maybe you have some kids. Some of you have some grandkids. You have a career. You have X amount of dollars in the bank but you still find that something is missing. And like Larry, you're not content with your life right now. You know, there was this young artist who was a sculptor and he sculpted this, this angel. 
and he wanted the great artist Michelangelo to give his input on this angel sculpting. So he invited him over and Michelangelo, he, he observed it in great detail. Then he looked back at this young artist and he said, it's just missing one thing. And then he turned around and he walked away. He didn't say anything to the young artist about the, what the one thing was. Now, the young artist was too embarrassed to ask Michelangelo, so he sent a friend to Michelangelo's studio to inquire what that one thing that was missing from his sculpture. And this young artist discovered that Michelangelo told his friend, he said, it's missing one thing. It's missing life. It's missing that spark. Maybe you're living a good life right now, but your life is missing that one thing. It's missing life. It's missing the spark. See, I believe that there's a third option. It's called the better life. And I think that we all want fulfillment in life. So many people are, are on this pursuit of happiness. But can I tell you what drew me to my faith in Jesus Christ? Man, as a teenager, there were some people that were around me that I just noticed there was something different about them, and I wanted what they had. I wanted this fulfillment in life. They, they had something different, and I wanted some of it. We want a life that's worth living. I heard a story about this one guy that was in his 90s, and they, they asked him about his life, and here's what he said. He said, if I would have known that I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. See, I don't, I don't want you to look back in your life and say, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have done something different. We're in this series called Jesus Hope for Humanity. And in this series, we're studying through the book of John and we're just taking it a chapter at a time. And, and this whole theme of this series is Jesus Hope for Humanity. So no matter where your life is right now, maybe it's a bad life, maybe it's a good life, I want to tell you there's hope. And that hope is in a man named Jesus. And today we're in John chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 10, because Jesus said something very powerful in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That we have a real enemy, his name is Satan, and he's on a mission to steal, kill and destroy your life. Still kill and destroy. That's the resume of a terrorist. You know, before there was Al-Qaeda, before there was Osama bin Laden, before there was Saddam Hussein, there was the original terrorist. And he was on a mission. And he's still alive and active and working today. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. This is that better life that I was talking about. And he says that you might have life and have life to the fullest. Jesus says you have a choice and you choose what kind of life you have. You can either live life going your way, doing it the world's way, or you can choose to go God's way. Now, some of you have heard that if you become a follower of Jesus, that you're going to have this abundant life, this life to the fullest. You're going to find Jesus and you're going to have peace and joy and love like you've never known. But then some of you say, well, I got fired from my job. Maybe some of you have been dumped by your girlfriend. Maybe you've been betrayed by a family member or friend. Maybe you got divorced from your husband. And you're like, wait a minute. 
Jesus said, I was going to have this abundant, fulfilled life. So what does it mean to live this life to the fullest that Jesus speaks about in John 10, 10? Let me tell you what it's not. This life Jesus speaks about doesn't mean that you're going to have a long life. You don't know how long you're going to live. We live as long as God wants us to live. It also doesn't mean that you're going to live a life free of sorrow and heartache and tragedy and pain. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It it also doesn't mean that you're going to live in a constant state of euphoria, that you're always going to live life up and to the right. Ecclesiastes says that there are seasons of life. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. There's a time to live, and there's a time to die. So what does it mean to have a life and life to the fullest in Jesus? And if I were to sum it up with one big idea in one sentence, I would say this. This life of fulfillment, this satisfying, rich life is a life of contentment. It's a life of contentment. My question to you is this. Are you content in life? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 Paul, who wrote over half the books in the New Testament, Paul said this. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And the first thing that I would submit to you is this. This is something you have to learn. Contentment is not natural. See, we naturally desire more. We have this acquire to desire that has gone haywire. And we naturally want more and more, and we naturally envy, we naturally crave, we naturally lust, we naturally say, man, I've got to upgrade this, and we've got to upgrade everything in our life. But Paul said, if you want a rich, satisfying life, you have to learn to be content. He said in verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He said, I've learned the secret of living. You want to know what the secret of living is? Here's what Paul says. He says, in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little, I've learned to be content. And I've learned, he says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That I can be in the peak of the valley. Uh, I can be, you know, down at the bottom of the valley. And no matter if I'm up or down, I've learned to have a rich and satisfying life because my life is content in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. To have this life of contentment. See, Paul, he was a thermostat, not a thermometer. See, a thermometer is something that that measures and registers what's around them. So when you put a thermometer in your mouth, it will register your temperature, and it will say how many degrees your body is. It registers what's around them. And the same is true in life. Some of you are like a thermometer, and whatever the environment is around you, that's what you register. So if the situation is tense, you register with tension and irritability. If the situation is stormy, then you register with worry and fear. If it's calm, then you register with with peace and comfort in your life. But I want to challenge you to be like Paul, to learn how to be content, to not be a 
thermometer, but to be a thermostat. See, a thermostat regulates the atmosphere. And, and the way the thermostat works is, is in the room, if the room's starting to get a little cold, then it heats up the room. If the room's getting a little hot, then it brings it down and it regulates the atmosphere. It's not being regulated itself. So that means that whenever you come into an environment, you control the environment by what's inside of you. See, Paul said, I'm going to be like a thermostat. I'm not going to be ticked if I'm barely making ends meet. I'm going to be content. At the same time, I'm not going to be uneasy when God is supplying above and beyond. I'm going to learn that whatever state I'm in to be content because that's where life to the fullest is found. Now, I want to read to you John chapter 10. We're studying John chapter 10. We're going to move to verse 11, but I want to give you some context because this is a sermon that Jesus preached, and it grew out of some confrontation with the Jewish leaders. See, to the Jews, Jesus is going to talk about being a shepherd. We're going to read about it. But to the Jews' ears, to be a shepherd was to be a leader. It was to be a religious leader, to be a political leader. And Israel was privileged to be known as the flock of the Lord. And the greatest people in the Bible were shepherds. People like Moses, David. Even today in the Holy Land, you're going to see real-life shepherds. And I got to call a quick timeout, just give you a, a plug to go with us. Man, we're going to take a trip. Man, Cross Point Ventura, Cross Point Anaheim coming together, and we're going to go to the Holy Land. If you would love to walk the places that Jesus walked, I would like to invite you to come on this experience with us. Just write on your connection card, Israel, today. And man, we'll send you some information back about Israel, uh, and you can come be a part of an incredible experience. We're going to go in October 2020, and we will visit the, the shepherds there taking care of their, their sheep, their flock. Now, Jewish shepherds, they didn't tend the sheep just to slaughter them. Now, of course, they had some sacrifices back to God, but, but they had a purpose. They, they cared for those sheep. They loved those sheep. And, and here's what would happen, just to understand the context, is that the sheepfold was enclosed, but this enclosure was made of rocks, but there would be an opening for the door. And the shepherd would guard the flock. And at night, the shepherd would lay across that gate. And in the morning, the shepherd would get up and he would call each one of the sheep by name. And the shepherd or the sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. They say, you're my master. You know my name. And whenever you call my name, I, I hear it clearly and I follow you. And the true shepherd he would always come through the door. See, the thieves that would try to steal the sheep, the, the robbers, they couldn't come through the door. They would have to come through other means of deception by climbing over walls. And those that were the, the thieves, those that were coming to steal, kill, and destroy the sheep, uh, they didn't know the sheep's name. They really didn't care about the sheep. And they could call out to the sheep, but the sheep wouldn't respond because the thief wasn't their master. And Jesus says that the thieves are coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm coming to give you life and life to the fullest. And I believe that there are varying degrees of enjoyment in this life here in this world. And the more that we turn ourselves to Jesus, the more that we submit to the Holy Spirit, 
the more we get to enjoy this life that God has given us. I want to talk to you today about traits of the good shepherd. I think that this is how we can live this life to the fullest, is understanding the good shepherd and the good shepherd's role. Number one, the good shepherd dies for the sheep. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Then he goes on, he says, there's hired hands. So maybe the shepherd is, is leaving. Maybe the shepherd's going on vacation. The shepherd's going out of town. The, the shepherd's attending to his family. Then he will hire someone else to take care of his sheep. But he says a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. That when problems and challenges come, the, the hired hand, he leaves. He abandons the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus says, I care about my sheep. I love my sheep. And just as a shepherd cares about the sheep, I'm willing to sacrifice. Listen, in, in one way, you and I, we're, we're sheep. Uh, sheep aren't smart animals. She sheep are prone to wonder. So on one hand, we are like a sheep. But in another hand, God has given us flocks that he's entrusted to our care. I take this seriously as the pastor of Crosspoint, that, that you are a flock that, that I am entrusted to, that one of these days I'm going to give an account to God on behalf of this church. You know you're not going to give an account to God on behalf of this church, but I will. The Bible specifically says that those that preach and teach the word of God will be judged more strictly. I take that very seriously. And, and, but you as well, you're going to give an account for every idle word that you speak, is what Matthew says. You have to be careful of what you say. You have to be careful of gossip and, and slander. And you also have to manage the households and the influence that God has given you. So that means, men, you're going to give an account. You're going to be responsible for your household. That means that you're going to be responsible for those that are entrusted. Some of you are shepherds of a business. Some of you shepherd a team that you're on. And we should be modeling the good shepherd where we sacrifice, where we love, where we're not hired hands doing it just for money, but we're doing it because we're willing to sacrifice. We have a core value here at Crosspoint called extravagant generosity. And we say it like this. We give up the things we love for the things that we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and for his church. So you know what we do? We give up our time. And it's an honor to sacrifice our time for the work of the ministry, for the work of the Lord. We give up our money, and it's an honor to give 10% of our income back to God as a tithe. A tithe isn't just giving a dollar or two. A tithe is 10%, and we do this. And why do we do this? Because it's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and for his church and for the mission of the kingdom of God because we care about the sheep. We sacrifice. We're willing to do this. The good shepherd, he cares about the sheep. He sacrifices for the sheep. He, he dies for the sheep. We have to be careful to guard against selfishness. We don't want to be hired hands that when it gets hard, that we get selfish and all of a sudden we start running back to our own agenda. 
we start getting discontent. Paul says, let's be content. We have to be careful that, that there are some, even in the church, that, that do things for financial gain, to serve for money. There are hirelings in the church. If a sheep is harmed while they're under the care of the hireling, the hireling in the Old Testament would have to produce an ear or the leg of a sheep to just prove that they didn't just run away because they got scared and got selfish, but they would say, I was there to the very end. I did everything to my power, and, and there was some loss, but, but I couldn't help it. I did everything to fend off the attack. The good shepherd, here's number two. The good shepherd loves his sheep. Not only sacrifices, but also loves. Love what he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. And just as my father knows me, I know the father. I sacrifice my life for the sheep. It says, I, I know them. I love them. This is more than just intellectual awareness. God has an intimate relationship with you. God, when you're a follower, when you're, you're, you're in his sheepfold, he says, I know you by name. I love this story of this man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus had lived his life for selfish reasons. He, he spent his whole life trying to make money and, and upgrading everything in his life. And, and, and he was very selfish. And he didn't mind stepping over other people. And, and Zacchaeus heard Jesus was coming to town. And he got tired of living this bad life. You know, many people thought he was living a good life. But, but he knew better. Something was missing in his life. And so he went to meet Jesus. And he was short. It was a short little dude. So what he did is he climbed up on this tree and he was waiting on Jesus. And Jesus walks by and he looks at him and he calls his name and he says, Zacchaeus. And I want you to know today that God knows you. He loves you. He knows your name and he will call you by your name because he loves the sheep. And God, he even knows our nature. He knows our strengths. God knows our weaknesses, and yet he still says, I love you, despite your weaknesses. I think about Peter. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and he was impulsive and outspoken. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, I know your weaknesses, but come on, follow me. I'm going to let you start the first church. And Thomas Thomas was known. He had weaknesses of doubting. He, he was called Doubting Thomas. He was always hesitant. And yet Jesus says, Thomas, follow me. I know your weaknesses, but, but follow me. I'm going to make you a fisherman. And then he knows our strengths. He saw Andrew. Andrew was this people person. He was always networking. He never met a stranger. He's always bringing people to Jesus saying, come and see. I found the Messiah. Come, come and see. Even Judas we know sold him out and betrayed him. Yet Jesus, whenever he was washing the disciples' feet, right before he's about to go to the cross, he washed Judas's feet. See, God, he loves the sheep. The good shepherd loves the sheep. I, I love Psalm 23, and I can't think, uh, I can't read John 10 without thinking of Psalm 23, that many of you have lost family or friends or loved ones at a funeral and they read Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The good shepherd restores my soul. 
He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they don't beat me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness, this is, this is what the true life looks like. Goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I thought about this, that you, you lie down in green pastures. There's this little book by a man named Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Philip Keller was a, was a shepherd, and here's what he said. The strange thing about sheep is because of their very makeup, it's impossible for them to lie down unless certain requirements are met. So you don't see a lot of sheep just lying down. You see, they're, they're very timid animals, and they refuse to lie down unless they're free from all fear in their life. And because of their social behaviors within a flock, they won't lie down sometimes because there's friction with other sheep. And if they're tormented by flies or parasites, sheep won't lie down. Keller points out, sheep will not lie down as long as they're in need of finding food. They must be free of hunger. The good shepherd, he tells us, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He wants you to have this life of contentment, to, to be whole in Jesus. If you're saying, I would be happy if you haven't learned to lie down, you haven't learned to rest in Jesus' care. The sheep cast its cares upon the shepherd. He trusts the shepherd's going to take care of his needs. See, Psalm 4.8 says, I will lie down in peace and I will sleep, recognizing that I serve a sovereign God, that he is in control. I heard the story of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He's the author of the Sherlock Holmes books. And he played a prank on some of his friends. He wrote a note to all of his friends. He didn't sign it. The note just simply said this, all is discovered, flee at once. And within 24 hours, all of his friends had fled the country. What if you got a note that said, all is discovered, run fast, flee at once. Would you laugh? Would you say, ah, who cares? Would you say, you know what? Jesus took it all on the cross. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've confessed it. I don't have to worry about it. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Or would you say all has been found out? They know? Oh, no. See, there was this woman that was having an affair. And her secret lover would come into her home when her husband was away. And what she would do is she would put every picture of her husband face down in her bedroom. She said she had to do it because she didn't want her husband looking at her. And she didn't want to have to look at her husband. She didn't want to make eye contact. She excluded her husband from that part of her life. Are there areas of your life where you have been excluding Jesus from your life? Where you say, you know what, Jesus, I need your help here. I need your help in this area, 
But in this area, I don't want to look you in the eyes. In this area, I'm just going to put you face down and you're excluding. Listen, can I tell you something? Jesus loves you. He, he sacrificed for you. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you living the good life or even a bad life. He wants you to live a better life. He knows you by name. He, he knows every part of you. And, and he's calling out your name, some of you right now. And whenever the shepherd calls out your name, it says, the sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And he's calling your name right now saying, you're in some danger. Come on, step away from the cliff. I don't want to see you go down. And here's the last thing that I see. The good shepherd brings other sheep into the flock. He's increasing the flock. He's the door. He's opened up the door for some more sheep to come in and out to enjoy this life, this abundant life, this life to the fullest. Here's what he says in verse 16. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Listen, as a church at Cross Point, Man, we're going to keep the flock doors open. We refuse to be a church that's inward focused because we believe Jesus when Jesus says, there's other sheep that I want to be in the flock as well. And this is why we're having Friend Day. Man, Friend Day is an opportunity for us to be able to open up the sheepfold, to let other people that are wondering hear that there is the shepherd that's calling their name, that loves them and cares for them. And we, we're starting a brand new series called Heart for Home. And we're going to be doing a spiritual EKG in our hearts. And we're going to grow our love and our joy and our peace and our contentment. And we're going to learn how to do this each and every week this fall. And I want you to invite your friends. I want you to invite your family. Man, who's some local non-church people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that are looking for life to the fullest, I want to invite you to join them and, and invite them to come. Listen, as a church, we refuse to be a holy huddle. A holy huddle. They say, us four, no more, shut the door. But we're not going to be a huddle. Football season's coming up. You know, they, they huddle. And whenever all the football players, they huddle around, all you see is rear ends. Listen, we want to show people Jesus Christ. We want to open up the huddle, involve people, say, hey, there's a good shepherd that you need to know to be a part of the sheepfold. Can I tell you, I love you, church, and I'm praying for you, and I'm excited what God will do in your life. You can have this rich, satisfying life of fulfillment, but it only comes when we hear and we tune in and we listen and we follow the good shepherd's voice. Thank you to Pastor Brian. And uh, he's our senior pastor of Crosspoint. They're in Anaheim and we're in Ventura, but we're a family together. And to hear from him today is a great thing. And I just think about what he said. Learning to be content in this life is an amazing thing. And if we could just practice that, work on that this week. Let God reach out to you. Let your hearts be united to trust God in everything that we're going through in this, this life. Because you know what? He is there. He understands exactly where we are today. And guess what? He will give us strength for today. Do you agree with that? So let's trust him in that. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. 
We're going to close out our service in just a moment here, but if our ushers would come. If you have your programs today inside, you're going to find some important things that we want to encourage you to do. One is our connection card. This is one of the best ways that we can communicate with you during the week. You may have some prayer requests. You can put that on this. Uh, our staff and uh, others pray each Tuesday for these requests. So please feel free to fill that out. You can get involved in some of the ministries and opportunities. Just check on the connection card as well. And uh, if you are a guest today, uh, we don't want you to feel obligated at all to give as we're going to take our offering in just a moment. But those of you that are regular tenders and members here at Crosspoint, continue to trust God in your giving. It's such an important part of us all together, working together to make a difference to reach out into our community. One other thing, too. As you're leaving today, we have some cards that we would like for you to use to invite your friends for Friend Day. A huge day of celebration here on the 15th of September coming up. Take some of those cards today as you leave, and we would really, really appreciate it. So just a moment, we're going to uh, take our offering, and then while we're doing that, you're going to see a clip. One of our growth groups that are coming up, we're going to be studying financial peace. So ushers, go ahead and let's show that clip, please. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Are you really going to make the hard choices to change your life? We had 40000 in student loans, uh -huh. 17000 in cars. I owned a rental property. We had a line of credit, just stuff. We had 16 credit cards. The proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes... We paid off $83,000. Wow! When desire comes... $144,000. When desire comes... $450,000 in the last seven years. Wow! It is the tree of life. God says this is how you get out of debt. You gotta run! 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 There is no doubt that this process called Financial Peace University works. The only question is whether you're gonna be involved. And so if you haven't signed up yet, now is the time.